Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 45. So guys, for this week, I am tackling the five-part miniseries called TIE Fighter. Now, TIE Fighter is a tie-in comic book with the written novels Alphabet Squadron, Shadow Fall, and Victory's Price. Now, for clarity, the Alphabet Squadron trilogy is written by Alexander Freed, and full confession here, I have not read any of those three books. As I've said previously, I try to read as many Star Wars books as I can, but I'm currently doing High Republic stuff, uh, so I hadn't got around to reading these books. So, for clarity, apologies to anyone who has read the Alphabet Squadron books or Shadow Fall, Victory's Price. If you have read them and I'm missing out some of the connections, please let me know. I'd be really interested to know. But this is going to be basically a vague tie-in to other comics and other content and things and just to let you know that from what I've seen online almost all the characters who are alive by the end of this um, comic book they're almost all of them feature in Alphabet Squadron in some way so that's going to be one sort of big banner connection. Also, I wanted to add in that this week on Comics in Motion, so the very feed you guys will be listening to this on, all the other shows, including this one, we're doing a little competition. So the details are going to be at the end of the podcast, and Dave is going to be the person who's going to uh, give all the details and whatnot, but there's going to be a special question and answer thing in here. I'll give you a bit of a hint as to what the question slash answer kind of will be around the time I give the answer, just in case you can kind of write a couple of notes and things, but you will have to listen to basically the whole episode and then check out at the end because you have to listen to a episode of each of the shows on Comics in Motion. Within each of them, there's going to be an answer somewhere. And then at the end, you're going to get the question and you can be in the chance for winning a Batman Blu-ray. So make sure you tune in for that. Now, for clarity with this comic, as I said, there are five part mini series. Issue number one was released in April 2019. Issue number five was released August 2019. And the trade paperback is in October 2019. Now, I will have put photos on my Instagram and Facebook of the covers of these TIE Fighter comics, as well as some of the panels from the inside. And also for any Patreon supporters, I have already uploaded them as of today. So, for clarity, if you support Genuine Chit Chat on Patreon or myself on Patreon, uh, then you will get early access to photos and a few other bits and pieces but I'll detail that all at the end. Now, this has got to be the longest name of artists and colour artists that I've probably ever read uh, on this show. So, the writer for TIE Fighter is Jodie Hauser. She's done quite a few other Star Wars comics as well. And then the sort of main artist is Roge Antonio. I may be pronouncing his name wrong. And the main colour artist is Arif Prianto. Now, for clarity, there are loads of other ones which I'm going to list now. So, the other artists are Michael Dowling, Joshua Cassara, Geraldo Borgs, Ig Guara, and Juan Gedeon. And for the colour artists, as well as Arif Prianto, there is Lee Lowridge, Niraj Menon, Jean-Francois Bewley, Dono Sanchez Almara. So that's all of the people involved in those sorts of things. And just because you want all the information, why not? The letterer is VC's Joe Caramagna. The cover artists are Giuseppe Camancoli, 
Elia Bonetti and Tommy Lee Edwards. So there you go, a huge amount of people uh, for this comic. And the last fourth piece of information is this comic, it starts after Empire Strikes Back and it is before Return of the Jedi. There'll be a point in there where you know kind of where it is by certain events that happen. But yeah, at the moment, this is set after Empire Strikes Back, which is around three years after the Battle of Yavin. So it's between three and four years after the Battle of Yavin, which is, you know, A New Hope, because Return of the Jedi is set four years after A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back is set three years after A New Hope. So here is the crawl. The Shadow Falls. The Empire's glorious victory at the Battle of Hoth has all but smashed the pitiful Rebel Alliance, whose dwindling forces now scatter and flee before the might of the Imperial War Machine. Soon, peace will be restored to the galaxy, and the feared TIE Fighter pilots of Shadow Wing will be the ones to secure victory for the Emperor. And then it's just got a list of the people here, so Squadron 5, Shadow Wing, Tesso Bruch, Ganem Kahi, Zin Gror, Gila Brebtin, and Lytandri. So the first connection here is the last name I mentioned there, Lightandri. Now, Lightandri is in the Han Solo Imperial Cadet comics, which is that time period where Han was in the Imperial Academy in the film Solo, where it kind of does that time jump after him being admitted, and then he's on Mimban, and you know he meets Chewie and Tobias Beckett on that sort of mud planet. When all that sort of happens, there is a prequel comic which I tackled on episode ten of Star Wars Comics in Canon. Now. Light and Dree was basically a twin, and him and his twin were in the Imperial Academy, along with Han Solo, Bayer Valance, and a couple of other people. And there is a little flashback in this comic which does reference that as well. And funnily enough, the next miniseries which I'll be tackling, which will be in about a month's time, is actually going to be Target Vader. Now, Target Vader's main character is Baylor Valance, who is a main sort of kind of antagonist in the Han Solo Imperial Cadet comics, but then he's the main protagonist in the Bounty Hunters series, which is ongoing at the moment. So lots of weird little connections here. And yeah, that's just quite a cool one that I didn't expect reading this because doing it for this show was the first time I read it. I will also confirm that this is quite a visual comic. Um, the majority of it is space battles, and I'm not going to sit here and explain everything that happens in the space battles. So if you want to know, it's good to read. Uh, but I do want to clarify, not to give away how I feel about it immediately, but Although this is a fairly good comic, it's probably on the lower end of the miniseries for me personally. I feel like if you're really into pilots in Star Wars and if you're into the Alphabet Squadron books, I'm sure this is a really, really cool sort of prequel-esque sort of comic. I know there is a character who is in this and is actually an Imperial and then becomes a rebel pilot by the Alphabet Squadron books and things. So it, I imagine it's really cool for that regard. But if you haven't read these other books, this wouldn't be one that I would say to prioritize necessarily unless you're really, really into star fights. But I will clarify the artwork is amazing. And last fun little bit of trivia, the TIE Fighters, T-I-E, uh, the TIE stands for Twin Ion Engines. So getting on with the narrative, it starts off with there's a squadron of TIE Fighters, they're TIE Interceptors, so they're slightly more, I think they're faster and basically just slightly better than standard TIE Fighters and things, they look a little bit different, and they all coordinate an attack, destroy some Rebel X-Wings, and then go back to this Star Destroyer called the Pursuer. So they all land on the Star Destroyer and they kind of go off and chill out a little bit. Two of the characters, a gentleman named Gainum Kahi and a woman named Zin Gra, they are also a couple. And for clarity, all of these pilots and almost everyone in the entire Imperial Navy is human because the Empire slash Palpatine is racist. And I don't mean colour of the skin racist, I mean actual races and aliens or humans. So shortly after landing and things, they get a new mission pretty soon after they've all been chilling out and things. They have to go to somewhere called the Kudo system. Now there's a Star Destroyer there called the Celerity and its hyperdrive is down. So they need escort duty for a maintenance crew to go and sort it out. 
So this squadron are called the 204th Squadron, or Shadowfall. And the woman who gives them the briefing is someone called Grandmother Nures. And now Grandmother is her sort of nickname. She's a commander and she's basically a really old woman. She keeps referring to the rebels as separatists. And it's quite like an in-joke sort of in there that the sort of other pilots keep looking at each other when she says it which I thought was a nice little touch, and I imagine it's in the books. And then after that, the pilots all sort of sat around eating food and sort of talking and things, and Gainum Kahi starts to kind of say, say about rebel sympathy, and he start, says he kind of sort of understands it, and then someone cuts him off and says, like, you shouldn't talk about that sort of thing, because if people hear you, you can get into a lot of trouble. So then they're getting ready for their missions and things, and Tesso Bruch, who is the squad commander, he is checking on his own TIE fighter and things, and Lightendry walks up to him and starts speaking to him and things, and Bruch is saying, well, aren't you worried about being in my squad? Like, haven't you heard the rumours that all my pilots are expendable? And Lighten says, no, I don't think that at all, and, you know, I've brought a little bit of drink just so we can kind of chill out in a little way and kind of have a bit of camaraderie going and things, and Lighten doesn't really believe the rumours about Bruch. While that's happening, Zingraw and... Gainum or both talk and Zin basically says to him like you can't say those things you said over lunch about um, being sympathetic for the rebels or anything like that if anyone else was listening you could get into a lot of trouble there so then they all get into their tie fighters and they head to the celerity with the maintenance crew and things because it's confirmed by the grandmother that they can't have any additional support or anything like that because their forces are stretched very thin at the moment so they get there and things, and then the ship, the Celerity, fires an ion blast, which hits a ship called the Summit, which is actually the ship that all the pilots and things went there on. And then suddenly, loads of TIE fighters come out and start to attack. Now, for clarity, the Summit is actually, it's a type of Star Destroyer in a sense. It's actually called a Quasar Fire Class Cruiser Carrier, or a Fire Class Bulk Carrier, or an Imperial Light Carrier. It was first seen in Star Wars Rebels, and then it's shown in the odd comic, it's been in the Squadrons game, and it's been in the Alphabet Squadron book and things like that. It's essentially a big triangle that has what seems to be two or four really big hangars for ships. It's basically just a really big ship that can take on a massive amount of Starfighters on there. It was first seen in Star Wars Rebels, they're big triangles essentially, and yeah, quite cool looking. So for clarity, this series, it's quite weird because each comic sort of ends the main story, but then it does a flashback of a few days or however long ago. So I'm going to be flitting backwards and forwards and things. So where the TIE Fighters attack coming from the Celerity, the ship they're trying to get, that's where the comic ends. But it goes to the flashback of days ago. Now, days ago, the squadron is against a batch of A-Wings, which are very fast. Now, A-Wings were first seen in Episode 6 at the Battle of Endor. Um, they're almost like the Rebellion Alliance's equivalent to a TIE Fighter. Very, very fast, very speedy and things, but they have almost no shield at all, so one or two hits and they're gone, just like TIE Fighters. The technical term for A-Wings are the R-2-2 Spearhead, the RZ-1 A-Wing Interceptor, or the RZ-2 A-Wing Interceptor. The RZ-2 is used by the Resistance in the sequel trilogy, and I'm pretty sure it shows up in the animated show, Star Wars Resistance. So showing that this was a few days ago, um, the pilot Zinn and this other pilot called Quell talk. Uh, Quell thinks that the A-Wings were actually Imperial trained defectors. She questions why, and she says just something about their discipline and their sort of flying and things. And then Quell says, sometimes I think, and then doesn't really finish what she was going to say. And then after that, they kind of go their separate ways and things. And then it shows Zin, who is currently in the squad in sort of present day. And she seems to contact the Rebellion because she's thinking of Alderaan. She has these like horrible flashbacks of Alderaan sort of blowing up and things. And she contacts the Rebellion. 
Now, just to clarify before going on to the second comic, so Shadow Wing is the name of the 204th Imperial Fighter Wing. Now, a fighter wing includes six squadrons, and each squadron can have up to 12 ships, but commonly it's five or six. You know, that's quite standard. So when I say the 204th Squadron by accident or Shadow Wing, anything like that, it's kind of an umbrella term, but the specific squadron that we are speaking of is the fifth squadron of Shadow Wing. So issue number two starts back in present day. Loads and loads of TIE fighters from the enemy ship or the Sorority coming against the five TIE interceptors flown by our squadron. The enemies, who are the people controlling the Sorority, they tell everyone to stand down um, because they're just going to destroy the summit and the five TIE interceptors and things. The summit ignores them, tries to activate its hyperdrive and fly off. But because it had no shields, the other Star Destroyer, the Sorority, shoots and destroys the summit immediately with one big blast. Because obviously in the prior comic, it was hit by an ion blast and the ion blast disabled its shields and disabled a lot of other things. So it's hit by a blast, disabled its shields. Instead of just listening to the enemy ship, it decides to try and flee and gets destroyed in doing so. So the five remaining TIE interceptors of our squad, they all surrender and land on Kudo. Now for clarity, Kudo's only really been mentioned before in the canon in the Age of Republic Anakin comic, and that's Kudo 3. So anyway, they land on Kudo and then some stormtroopers approach, but apparently they're not rebels or imperials. They have a slightly different alignment. And they say that they are actually um, their allegiance lies with Admiral Gratlow. So they get taken to Admiral Gratlow, and he basically says that the Imperials are going to lose. So he doesn't want to be on the losing side, but he doesn't necessarily want to be on the rebellion. So he's basically made a base here on Kudo, and he thinks he wants to start something new when the Empire eventually falls. The squadron are all talking and things because Tesso Bruce, the sort of commander, he tells Gratlow that he needs some time to talk with the squadron and figure out what to do. So the squadron are all talking and the woman, Gila, gets free. She manages to sort of hook her the handcuffs around her and things and to the front of her. And then they say they're ready to come out. The doors open and then the squadron attack. So there does another flashback. So the flashback is to several days ago. It's got Light Andri and he's talking to his twin, Tamu, who is on the medical frigate. Now, Tamu has kids and he's talking about them from someone called uh, Yulara, and she's a Thelin. Now, for clarity, that was all actually in the Han Solo Imperial Cadet comic. They go to a casino, he gets really drunk, and he marries someone. And it's quite funny hearing that this seems to be 10 plus years later. I'd say it's 10 to 14 years later that he's still with this woman, which is quite funny in that way. And also in the Han Solo Imperial Cadet comic, which, as I said, is in Star Wars Comics and Canon Episode 10, so go check that out, um, he actually does talk about wanting to be in medicine and things. That's kind of how the comic ends. So it's quite cool to see that continuity. They also mention a wedding and Tamu says he can't really remember any of the wedding because he was so drunk. They say goodbye to each other and that's where that comic ends. But I just want to add that Tamu's wife, Yalara, it's Y-L-R-A, apologies for my, uh, my mispronunciation there potentially, um, she is a Thelin. Now a Thelin is a species where they're humanoid once again and they've, they've got sort of spots on their face like uh, pigment discoloration of their skin. It just looks like they have loads of giant freckles on their sort of face. But their skin colour can be lavender, white or bronze. They have sort of head horns coming out. There's generally sort of three coming out the back left side and three coming out the back right side. And they also seem to have hooved feet. Now they are humanoid. You do see them in a fair amount of the Star Wars canon, but they are fairly rare in terms of how many times people actually encounter them. And for clarity, they can mate with humans and make babies with them, uh, the same as what Twi'leks can do. 
So on to the next comic. So issue number three. So they're still in the Kudo system and the squad are locked out of the ships due to the Admiral is still using Imperial codes and has just locked them all down. Now Tesso Bruch actually has a back door of how to get into his TIE fighter that can override pretty much any Imperial command and that explains why he always works in his TIE fighter before a mission alone just to be sure that he's still got that back door. Now the stormtroopers sort of appear and they surround the group once again and the stormtroopers one of them mentions something about some buyers coming in to purchase the star destroyer that they've liberated now tesso manages to convince one of the stormtroopers to allow them to get free and to get their ties because he says look you're just following orders to gratlow we can see that and the empire will understand that but if you choose the right side from now we will make sure that they're aware of it but if you continue to go down this path and uh, some sort of mini war breaks out between the empire and Gratlow, you are going to be on the losing side. That speaks true to one of the stormtroopers. He shoots his subordinate in the leg who collapses and they just let them get to their TIE fighters. So the squadron fly into space and they're greeted by some more TIE fighters, but this time they are loyal to the Empire TIE fighters. And they mentioned that the Star Destroyer Celerity has basically turned into a massive mutiny um, because people are turning against Gratlow after the Empire actually shows up. So there's basically like a mini civil war going on on this Star Destroyer. So the 204th head to the Star Destroyer and Lightendry's TIE Fighter is shot and it blows up and he did not survive, unfortunately. So his twin is left to carry on the legacy. Then, as that is still all sort of happening and things, the Rebels attack the 204th. And while that's happening, they still head to the Star Destroyer. Ganem's TIE Fighter then gets damaged. However, Zin, his partner, manages to save him and they manage to do evasive maneuvers to kind of get towards the Star Destroyer. Ganem is getting shot at again. Zin moves herself into the way and gets killed, saving Ganem. And then Gila, Ganem, and Tesso are the remaining people who land on the Star Destroyer, just the three of them. When Tesso lands on there, he tells one of the commanders to use hyperdrive to basically get the ship out of the way. There's no other pilots left. Tesso talks to Ganem and says, Look, you managed to succeed in the mission. She'll be proud of that. And Ganem kind of walks away saying, Sure, she would. It then does a flashback to six months ago, and it's got Tesso checking his ship once again, and he basically gets offered the squadron that he is now in command of. At the time, he was just a talented fighter and things, but it shows him getting offered the squadron. Now, the person who offers it to him is someone called Major Kays, K-E-I-Z-E, and I believe he shows up in the other Alphabet Squadron content. Now, I'm just going to read out some of the exchange between Tesso and Kays, or Keys, because Major Keys says to Tesso, you know, you're being moved there on my request to become the new squadron leader, and Tesso is completely speechless. Tesso says, well, thank you, I really appreciate that, but I'm going to have to decline because there are people who are born natural leaders, and I'm not one of them. Keys says, it's good that you're scared of responsibility. He says, I wouldn't want someone leading a squad who wasn't. There are too many who see leadership as a stepping stone to bigger things, or as a symbol of one's own importance. We've all seen officers like that over the course of our careers. They're the ones who get their people killed. There is nothing bigger or more important than protecting our fellow pilots out there, our brothers and sisters. And I think you understand that. And Tessa says, and what about my reputation, sir? What about the rumours? And Case says, there's always going to be suspicion of those who are lucky enough to survive and others don't. But I would know if you were the type to stab your fellow pilots in the back for your own benefit. If nothing else, I hope you would trust my judgment here. And I judge you to be the right man for the post, if you're willing to accept. All right, Major, I'll lead Squadron 5. I'll keep them alive. And that's where comic number three ends.
So, comic number four. It starts on a place called Corrida. Now, Corrida is actually in a Clone Wars episode. It is also in the Solo Imperial Cadet comics, and it's also mentioned in Solo, a Star Wars story. It's in Legends and stuff too, but yeah. So two recruits compete, they're basically trying to one-up each other and things, and then one of them does this training thing and beats the other one, and they start to squabble a little bit. One of them is called Rak Surimo, and one's called Bansu Ro. So they're squabbling and things, and a gentleman called Yurub Nakam uh, speaks to them. Now Yurub Nakam, he is actually one of the flight instructors from the Solo Imperial Cadet comic, and obviously he looks a little bit older than he was then. He basically says to the cadets, the congratulations, you're no longer my problem. They think that they've been thrown out or something. And he says, nope, essentially the Imperial Navy has commanded that all cadets in your class are now being sent out to war, whether they're ready or not. So you have to go off and just make sure you keep your squadron alive. So then it cuts to the Star Destroyer, the Pursuer. It turns out that Zin, the woman who was killed in the previous comic, who was the partner of Gainum, she actually had communications with the rebels. Now, obviously, you guys know that from the first comic that I just mentioned a little bit earlier. And Gainum and Bruce are basically trying to defend her. You know, they're trying to say that maybe she got the information and she was trying to look further into it and things and trying to kind of, you know, spy on the rebels and then feed in information and whatnot. And then the grandmother said, look, this isn't actually relevant at the moment. She's dead. We've got this information. And what it means is that we actually have located where the Imperial defectors have been going. And it turns out it's actually a ship, which explains why it's been so hard to track down. So squad number five are the ones who are sent to go and find this Imperial defector ship. Uh, the rest of the 204th are elsewhere. Because I said, you know, the Imperial Navy is starting to be stretched very, very thin. And there's just an exchange between Gainham and Bruce I want to read. Gainham says to Commander Bruce, Commander, I just want to say thank you for what you said about... And he says, do you really think I did it for you, Gainham? You knew Zinn better than anyone. Do you think if she had intel for the Empire that she'd keep that to herself? Pilots fall in battle, even under the best commanders, but betraying the Empire, defecting to the enemy? If I didn't see that coming, the blame falls on me. And Gainham says, but I didn't see it either. She was the one who told me to watch what I said. And Bruce says, likely because she knew the ISB would take a very close look at you after she left. She didn't want you to fall if she turned traitor. And Gainham says, that's just speculation. And Bruce says, she cared about you enough to put herself in harm's way to protect you. It got her killed. I know how you felt about her, how that can blind you to certain facts. But you were in love with a traitor. She was lost to us even before she was shot out of the sky. Even if your loyalty isn't in question, your judgment is. And if we didn't need you for this mission, you'd be out of this squadron. And just for clarity, the ISB that was mentioned there is the Imperial Security Bureau. They're the ones who basically go in and make sure about traitors and interrogate people and all that sort of stuff. They're like the auditors internally of the Empire. So after all those exchanges and things like that, the new cadets arrive and the squadron is definitely surprised to the fact they're getting cadets. They're questioning why they've been sent cadets because they're, you know, quite an elite squadron. And the cadets who are the ones I mentioned earlier, Rak Sermo and Bansu Ro, they both say, look, we were sent here. It was not our choosing at all. We were at the top of our class, if that helps. And the squad doesn't really seem that impressed. So the plan is to attack the defector's ship. Imperials posing as Zim have basically been using a data pad that they found in her quarters, and they've been using that to kind of keep the lies going so that the rebels don't suspect anything. And then this comic ends with another flashback. 
it's quite a cool little one but it's years ago on Coruscant it's got Ganon when he was really young he seemed like a, maybe a 10 year old or something he's talking to his granny and they're basically going backwards and forward and the granny is like talking about how it doesn't really matter if it's the Empire or if it's the Republic or what you know Palpatine is just one man and eventually he'll die just like the other ones and things will probably go back to the way they were before and Ganon says you can't talk about that sort of stuff you know it's not right and she says well I can barely walk and I'm basically dying as it is you think the Imperials are going to come in here and kill me for that it's ridiculous and it turns out that Ganem's dad actually died fighting in the Clone Wars and that he is actually the seventh generation of pilots so there have been six people before him his dad and his dad's dad and etc seven times who are all pilots as well and his granny says to him fly well and fly true and that's where comic number four ends so the final comic. So the squadron are at the defector vessel and they target the hyperdrive of the vessel so that they can try and stop it from escaping and things. There's a massive space battle that looks quite cool and the squadron are told to protect the bombers so that they can destroy that defector ship. Now one of the cadets hits an X-wing but the X-wing spins out and then smashes into one of the Thai bombers. The cadet is quite freaking out a little bit in things and then he starts to get tailed by a rebel ship. Gainum then saves the cadet and then he wants to go after the rebel ship himself because he's like angry about the death of Zinn. But Bruce says, look, you can't let it be personal. We just have to protect all the people of the Empire. You know, just don't go after them. This one man suicide mission, you'll get killed. We're all part of the squadron and we need to protect each other. Gainum just basically shrugs off and says, all right. And then the squad coordinate an attack with some of the other members of the team and they manage to destroy the defector ship. They land back on their own to Star Destroyer and the cadet is ashamed at causing the death of the other Imperial pilot and is kind of freaking out a little bit about it. And then suddenly there's a big announcement over the intercom and it says that the rebels destroyed the Death Star 2 and has killed the Emperor. And all the squadron are kind of left there and they're saying, like, well, what do we do? And what's, what's next? And Tessa Bruce says, look, we await orders. We're still a part of the 204th. We will wait. And then this comic ends with another little flashback. It was days ago and it is the character Gila and she is at a shooting range. Bruce the commander joins her and tries to talk her out of a mission but she says she's been moved around from squadron to squadron and things and she presumes that's the reason because she just doesn't really fit. Bruce says that no one in his squadron really fits. That's kind of how it works so well and he still likes her and she's an incredible shot. And he says that she is part of the squadron. He just doesn't necessarily want her to come on the specific mission. She says, look, why don't we make this a challenge? We'll have some shooting and things. And if I win, I get to be part of the mission. They start the little shooting range thing. They both hit bullseyes immediately. And then that is where that comic ends. And that is where I presume that the alphabet squadron will pick everything up. So that is the end of the comic, guys. As I said, the photos will be on Instagram and Facebook and one or two of them will be on Twitter uh, the weekend of this release. So this will be out on the 20th of February. It'll, the photos will either be up on the 20th or the 21st. But if you are already a Patreon, you will have already seen them because they're on there right now. So yeah, the TIE Fighter comic, this is probably the miniseries I would recommend to people the least. Uh, if you really like space battles and you really like the art of stuff, it is quite cool, but it, there's not really anything substantial here that I think is worth raving about. Um, as I said, I think this and maybe the Mace Windu miniseries are potentially the weakest or maybe the Thrawn one but the Thrawn one's based on the book it is kind of hard you know to there's so many of them and I think I've tackled all of them now on this show apart from Target Vader it's kind of hard to choose which ones are the best and the worst there's just quite a lot of them that are quite middle ground I wouldn't say any of them are not enjoyable there's just certain ones that don't really interest me and bluntly pilots don't interest me it's one of the reasons I haven't read the Imperial Squadron books 
I don't dislike pilots. I think Wedge Antilles is an amazing character and there's some really, really cool stuff in many of the films about flying starships, but that's not the thing about Star Wars that specifically draws me in. Like, anyone's free to their own opinion and things, and I'm not trying to dissuade anyone's own opinions, but I know quite a few people really love Star Wars for the ships and the pilots. That's fine. There's no problem with that at all. But for me personally... If I wanted that, I would just watch Star Trek and things because that's almost what it's all about. Like, I'm, I'm just not that overly fussed about all the specifics about that. My main interest comes from basically space wizards fighting with light swords. You know, I love lightsabers. I love fighting. I love like the force. It's a very intriguing concept to me. And the more elements that get added to it intrigue me even further. I like also people turning. I like people being bad and turning good or good turning bad a lot of the time. I like things that aren't quite so black and white. And this comic was fairly predictable and although I didn't necessarily predict light and dree dying it was one of those things where I was like well it's not that big of an impact to me considering I only saw him in the Imperial Cadet comic so I was like oh cool he's appeared again oh okay he's gone <laughs> it's you know um but yeah it's not a bad comic if you've got like Marvel Unlimited or something it's maybe worth a read if you're going to delve into the Alphabet Squadron books yeah check this out first but if you're not going to delve into them and you're not actually that fast then you know just listen to this and that'll be enough for you won't it and guys, make sure you stick around right to the very end of this podcast because you're going to have the powerful Dave Horrocks ask you guys a question. And if you contact him with the answer, as well as answers to all the other questions that have been in the Comics and Motion shows this week, then you are in for the chance of winning a Batman Blu-ray. So guys, aside from that, the sort of normal wrap-up thing I do at the end here. So for next week, it is going to be the next batch of Dr. Afra comics so it's going to be the next story arc for that then the week after that is going to be the heroes of the age of rebellion comics which are the sort of variety of one shots about certain heroes and then the week after that will then be the main run of star wars comics again and then the week after that which will be four weeks from today will then be the final mini series i'm tackling on this show or rather that's the last one that's out in the marvel comics and that is going to be target vader which will lead nicely on to the bounty hunter series as well so lots and lots of cool things there guys i really appreciate you guys listening and things and I have started a Patreon and it is specifically to do with my other podcast, Genuine Chit Chat. Uh, on there, I interview a different person or have a conversation with a different person for each episode. What I normally do is I split really long episodes that are like one and a half hours to two hours long. I normally split them into part one and part two. So part one gets released one week, part two gets released the following week. But on my Patreon, I'm now releasing part one and part two at once. And in addition to that, I've got another mini series, which is called Afterthoughts that myself and Megan do. And we basically record, it's for about you know eight to 15 minutes or so each time we just record our opinions on certain films and tv series we've done the witcher series one uh, the queen's gambit watchman director's cut um some of these have not yet been released on patreon i'm two of the witcher ones already been released and i've actually released that for free to anyone so if you go over to the patreon of mine which is patreon.com slash genuine chit chat which is in the description of this you can actually go listen to our views on the witcher completely for free you don't need to sign up or anything and then if you like that and you want us to try and support both this show and also genuine chit chat then you can donate as little as two pound a month or three dollars and you'll get access to the part one and part two stuff of the genuine chit chat longer episodes as well as access to the afterthoughts in addition to that we are as i said we've got some of the other films and things we did a little miss sunshine recently and how to lose a guy in 10 days <laughs> me and megan do have different opinions on a lot of these films just to clarify um, but randomly megan decided she wants to rewatch all the star wars films again so we've just recorded the phantom menace afterthoughts as well and we're going to go through the 11 star wars movies and talk about our afterthoughts of those because i don't think i've ever actually specifically given my thoughts on every 
every single Star Wars movie individually, except in the big collaboration project I did with Chris, Dave, and Scott, which actually was the starter of this podcast. Uh, but not to get too much into that, if you want to support me on Patreon, I appreciate it and love you guys so, so much. But the fact that anyone's listening to this show is just a massive thing for me. Um, aside from that, I've done quite a few collaborations and things recently. Um, I've been on Frank Burton's podcast, the Ragbag podcast. Me and Megan were on the 52 Love podcast. We were talking about relationships and things. I've been on Scott Weatherly's 20th Century Geek podcast with Megan. We've done a massive five-part Batman retrospective where we tackled Batman 66, the four Burtonverse Batman movies, the animated movie Mask of the Phantasm, and also the Dark Knight trilogy as well. So if you want a massive breakdown of our thoughts on those, Megan, who'd not really seen any of the films before, myself, who'd seen most of them once, a couple of them more than once, and Scott, who's like a massive, massive uh, film buff, especially about Batman, it was really interesting to get all of our different perspectives on there. So make sure you check out the 20th Century Geek for that as well. And then I also was on a recent episode of Indie Comic Spotlight, where we spoke about The Lone Ranger. I was on a recent episode of Mandatory Marvel and DC, where we spoke about the new 52 story, Death of the Family, where Joker cuts his own face off and then wears it again it's quite bizarre but it's a really really cool comic and i've been appearing on loads of different podcasts all over the show so you know if you follow me on social media at genuine chit chat you will find all of the guest spots i've been doing photos of the comics and things that i've been doing for this show snippets for my chats on genuine chit chat as well um i've recently had a conversation with someone who is an ex-porn star so that's quite an interesting conversation i've also spoken to the band iron tom who are amazing Minnie Mandel and the shut up the rapper called shaldo um i've also I've had filmmakers on, authors, other podcasters. I've had lots of the guys from Comics in Motion on. I've got plans to have the guys from Comics in Motion again. We're doing this big collaborative thing that we're going to do for the Snyder Cut that's going to come out, like a big roundtable discussion. And also there is the WandaVision uh, specials that are coming out each week with each episode of WandaVision. And the one that is going to be coming out next, I'm not going to be on, but I think the one after that, so in about a week's time, so towards the end of February, I think myself and Megan are going to be on that one. And we were on episode three or four I think already so there's loads and loads of different places you can get a hold of me there's loads of places you can listen to my voice which some people love and some people really don't uh, but I really hope you guys do enjoy Styles Comics and Canon please let me know your thoughts review Comics in Motion on any of your podcast apps that allow you to leave reviews share on social media tell your friends it means a lot check out all the other amazing shows on this podcast feed and things and yeah check out my Patreon if you want to support the show and get another extra show on top of that as well Anyway, guys, thank you as always so much for listening. I hope you're all staying safe. I hope you enjoyed this chat. And as always, guys, I'll talk to you next week and may the force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.